Today, we are going to be talking about Joseph. We already kind of watched a, a video on that. Does anybody know about Joseph? Does anybody remember a little bit about his life? No? Nobody in the whole house? All right. You guys get a brand new story today. Simeon knows. I knew Simeon would know. Simeon's got my back. I knew someone had to understand. So the story of Joseph. We just watched it a little bit. Joseph sold by his brothers into captivity. Now, how many of you guys know that Joseph is actually a representation of Jesus? Anybody know that? Joseph is a representation of Jesus. He lived with his father in the promised land, and then he was sent into the life of sin, which is Egypt. is always known as a sinful city. It represents sin in the Bible. And then he becomes the savior of the whole world because of where God had him in the palace. So we see all of this story from the life of Joseph. And the one thing I think stands out the most when we study his life is that Joseph was all about his attitude. His attitude is what matters. So tonight we're going to talk about that. First slide, we're going to talk about your attitude matters. Everybody say that with me. Your attitude matters. What? I didn't hear you. Let's do it again. What time? There we go. Oh, you guys got a voice. Yes, your attitude matters. Does anybody really under, does anybody believe that? We really see that in our life? I don't know, like the older I get, and trust me, it took a long time for me to learn that lesson. But I've realized how much an attitude matters. Like I was always in trouble with the teachers because I always had a bad attitude. And then at work, I had trouble with the bosses because I always had a bad attitude. And then finally, God taught me this lesson the hard way that your attitude matters. And everything about your attitude changes everything that the environment that you're in. And we see that consistently through the life of Joseph. But there's a very specific point where Joseph stops and he starts looking at the attitude of the people around him. And again, keep in mind that Joseph and his brothers, the Joseph represents Christ. So we're going to see this example play out in this story. So let's go to the next slide. Joseph and his brothers, that's what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to begin this in Genesis 42. So we're going to skip past all about him being sold into slavery. That's why I played that little clip for you, because I wanted you guys to get refreshed with the story. But there comes a point in the story where Joseph's already been elevated. He's already running the whole city. And his brothers still think he's dead. And they don't know where he's at. And they don't know anything about him. But there's a famine that's going on in the land. So everybody's starving. And everybody needs food. And the only way to get that is to go to Egypt and talk to Egypt. So this is where we pick up this story. His brothers come to Joseph. And they need to buy food. Now, Joseph knows who his brothers are, but he doesn't tell them who they are yet. Instead, he puts them into a little test here. We're going to see this test play out throughout the story here. And they come in, they buy some food, and he's like, okay, you guys are spies. I don't trust you. I don't know you. And they're like, they can't figure out why he's coming at them like this. And then he says, right here, he tells them, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me. And this will prove that you're telling the truth, and you will not die. To this they agreed. Speaking among themselves, they said, Clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. 
We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. So they're, they go to the land of Egypt. They go to the land of sin. They go to the world, and they're looking for this blessing. And here is a representation of Christ standing before them, and he tells them, go get your brother and prove that you are good people. And the first thing that they can think about is the fact that they've done wrong. That's their first thought in their head. Like, oh, wait a minute. He's not gonna, he's not gonna hook us up because we we killed our brother. We sold our brother into slavery. And that's the first thought in their mind. And if we go to the next scripture in verse 22, they go on to explain and they say, he says, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? This is the oldest brother. He's telling them, I told you guys, don't sin against Joseph. But you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his blood. And of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. So they don't understand that this is Joseph. They don't understand what's about to happen here. But Joseph tells them, if you guys want to be blessed, if you want to have good things in your life, go get your brother. Go get your little brother and bring him back. So, Long story short, they go home, they argue with their dad because their brother was like their dad's favorite next to Joseph, who he thought was dead. So the dad doesn't want to let him go. But then finally, the dad lets them go. As they're returning, they, they remembered that when they bought the food from him, he put all their money back in their bag. So now they're all nervous because they didn't pay for it. They got this blessing that they didn't pay for it. Ah, you see how he's Jesus? You get a blessing that you don't deserve, that you didn't pay for, when you still know that you've done something wrong towards Jesus. But we know none of us deserve it. That's, that's God's thing. That's Jesus' thing. And that's what Joseph's trying to teach him here. So they go back, they, get, they bring their brother, and now they're standing before Joseph again. And in verse 18 and verse 43, Joseph says, okay, bring all my brothers into my palace. So he brings them into the palace and it says, the brothers were terrified when they saw that they were being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone put in our sacks the last time we were here, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Then he will seize us and make us slaves and take our donkeys. So they're, they're nervous right away. Now they're walking into this, the king's house. Like this is the main guy in Egypt. They're walking into his palace. Last time they were here, they called him slaves, told him to go get their brother. He didn't trust them. They were spies. Finally, he's like, okay, now they're back. They didn't pay for anything. And he brings them in this house. And he says, come on in. Let's go to the next scripture. And in 33, Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. And to their amazement, he sat them according to their age from the oldest to the youngest. And Joseph filled their place with food from his own table. But he gave Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So Joseph calls them all in. Now remember, the last time they were in town, he was mean. Called them spies. He didn't trust them. They weren't good people. He was like, bring your brother back. They bring their little brother back, and Joseph sets him at the place of honor, and Joseph gives him five times as much of everything that everybody else got. Now, why did he do this? 
Why is this in the story? Why does Joseph have to go through all this? Yeah, you got it. Ah, good, Simeon. Simeon's on fire. He said because he wanted to test and see if they had changed or not. He wanted to see their attitude towards their brother. Because the last time he was around, they weren't too nice to their brothers. They took their brother and sold him into slavery and caused all kinds of trouble. But now they're back and they're in his presence. And the first thing he does is he takes the youngest one, the one who, who shouldn't be the most important, the one who shouldn't matter, and he gives him five times what he gives everybody else's. And then he sits back and he watches his brothers to see their attitude. And let's go on. After that happens, they all get up, they pay for their stuff, and they leave. And as they leave, Joseph tells his attendant, he says, this time, take my silver cup and put it in the youngest one's bag. So they take it and they put it back in Benjamin's bag again. This time they give him all the money back, but now they take the king's royal cup and they put it in the youngest one's bag and they let him leave with it. And all the guards, halfway home, the guards stop him. And they're like, hey, when you guys stole the cup? And they're like, no, it was me, it was me. And they go through their stuff and they say, whoever stole it is coming back and they're gonna, they're gonna be a slave the rest of their life. And they go through the bags and they find it in Benjamin's bag. Now, you guys ever caught a brother or sister doing something bad? <laughs> it's funny how many people smile when I ask that question. <laughs> it's funnier when it's catching your brother doing something bad and not yourself. But we, we've all been in a position where we caught our brother or sister doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. Now, Benjamin's brothers, they didn't know that that cup was put there on, on purpose. They didn't know that. Now here, here's their youngest brother. He just got put at the place of honor. He got set at the highest table. He got all five times what they got to eat. Like, and this is during the famine. So he's getting blessed. And now, he's looking like a thief with a cup in his bag that he stole from the one guy that all the brothers are scared of. Because once again, Joseph wants to test and see their attitude towards their brother. It's not, a, it's not always about whether or not we love God. It's not always about whether or not you love Jesus. He's easy to love. <laughs> he's a good God. He's always good. He loves you more than you know. So he's easy for us to love. But oftentimes, like Joseph, God's checking your attitude to see how you love your brother. Because you're going to love him. He's good to you. But what about the guy who just got five times as much to eat? What about the guy who just stole the cup from the one guy you're scared to death of? What about that, that brother? How are you gonna how are you gonna treat? How's your attitude gonna be towards him in that moment? And we see here in verse 33, the brothers come to his defense. He goes to Joseph and he says, So please, he tells him, Don't look, man, my dad's old. My dad, my dad will die if he finds out that he's not coming home with us. I, like, we can't do that. He was like, my dad needs this. So he says, please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? 
I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. Uh -huh. That's deep, guys. That's deep. He tells him, how? How can I just go home like everything's okay when I know that my brother is still in slavery? Man. How can we just go to heaven and act like everything's okay when we know our brother is in slavery? Like, don't, wouldn't that destroy our father? Wouldn't that kill our heavenly father? And that's where they finally got it. They got it. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, I love, I love my father. My father loves me. My father's going to take care of me. I can go home. But my father loves my brother too. So I need to make sure that my brother comes with me. It's not just enough for me to be saved. It's not just enough for me to be okay, but I want my brothers to be okay with me. And in the first verse in the 45th chapter, this is the next verse actually, just separated there, but the very next verse, Joseph could stand it no longer. And there were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, out, all of you, so that he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. His brothers didn't realize who they were dealing with. They didn't realize that this was Joseph. This was the representation of Christ. This was somebody that they loved, someone that they've been needing, they've been looking for. But it wasn't shown to them until he saw that they're not going to get jealous when their brother's promoted. They're, they're not going to lash out in anger when they see somebody else getting blessed. And they're not gonna, they're not gonna be the first one to throw a stone at him as soon as he's done something wrong. And they're not gonna be the first person to watch somebody suffer and not care. But as soon as Joseph saw that they were gonna die for their brother, and, and they, they wanted their brother to be blessed, that was when he finally couldn't take it no more. And he revealed himself to him. But not only to them, because in verse two it says, when he broke down and wept, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And the word quickly carried through Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? And his brothers were speechless. And they were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing right in front of them. I heard this preached way more elegantly, way better, <laughs> amazingly better by Billy Cole, and it really brought, he named this sermon the day that Jesus was revealed to the whole world. And again, I, I didn't preach it exactly how he preached it by any means, but the concept was there and it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. We want this world to see Jesus. And John's told us that the only way they're going to know that you're a disciple is if you love like Jesus loved. Does that mean if I love Jesus, the world's going to know? <laughs> They're not. That's not it. The world claims to love Jesus. Everybody claims to love Jesus. How is the world going to know that you're his disciples? By if you love one another. If I want to reveal Jesus to this world, then I better start loving my brothers. Not only, especially the world. We, we, all, we all love sinners. Everybody wants to love sinners. But your brothers, the ones next to you, 
the person sitting beside you, the guys that we see every week, your real brothers and sisters, but especially your church family. We want to reveal Christ to this world. It's the same way, same way Joseph's brothers had to reveal it. They had to really love one another. So Sarah, if you'll come, I'm done. I think that's, oh, that's my last slide. But the concept there is important. So let's all stand up real quick. We're going to play. We're going to get out of here. We're going to play some volleyball. We're going to have a good time. We're going to show each other love. Because that's what's the most important thing. I don't know if it's me getting old or not, but I'm getting sick of this whole world. I'm getting ready for Jesus. I'm getting ready for Jesus to come back. I'm getting ready to make all the situations better. I want my brothers to be blessed with me. I want no more struggles. I want no more problems. And the only way that's going to happen is if we start acting like a real church. Not like what you thought church was. Not like the times you've seen church before. Not like some of the churches you've been to. Because we haven't got it right yet. If we got it right, he would have came back. He would have been revealed to the world. No one's perfect. But I can see where we can start getting better. We hit that light switch right there beside you. Please, thank you. We can start getting better by loving one another. By making the church what God thinks the church should be. Where everybody can feel welcome. Nobody's going to be made fun of. No one's going to be made to feel less. Because I don't care if, if you're going through good times, if you've got blessings in your life, I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to feel bad for you. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to celebrate with you. I don't care if you got caught with a silver cup in your bed and the cops are there and they're ready to drag you off to jail. It's our job to still love you. It's our job to say, hey, I'm going in place. How can I make this better? How can I fix this problem? Because I want to reveal Christ to the whole world. So let's all close our eyes. Let's spend some time with Jesus today. Like Joseph, he came into this world when he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve to be nailed to the cross. He didn't deserve any of that. But he loved you enough to die for you. He loves you enough to go through all of that so you can have a relationship with him. And today, he's asking us, how are we going to show him that we appreciate what he's done for us? How am I going to show him that? I'm going to love him? Of course. He's lovable. But I'm also going to love everybody that comes in contact with me. I'm going to show everything that he's created that I respect what he's done for us. So let's just take a minute. Let's raise our hands. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Let's let God touch our lives so that we can learn how to love like he loves. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Go with every person in this room today, Lord, that they will learn how to love like you love, God. That they won't, they won't just say they love people, but they'll act like they love people. That everybody who comes in contact with them sees the love poured out of them and wants to know how they can be like that. And more importantly, God, we want to expose you to this whole world. We want everybody in this world to get to know who the greatest thing is that's ever existed. 
So help us to love like that. Help us to love like you love, God. Help us to stick up for our brothers and stand up for one another and treat this house like it's a family. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you so much for giving us an ability, Lord, to be like you and to help others become more like you. We worship you and praise you. And everyone say, in Jesus' name, amen. I know this isn't one of those rock the house down, shouting praise. That's okay. We, we, can, we can be challenged sometimes because I feel like this is important. And this We're going to camp soon. We're going to be with 120 kids. I don't care if when we leave camp, they say, wow, those are the coolest people that I've ever met. I don't care if they go, wow, they're the most talented. They're the best looking. Guess what? You're all that. But what I really want them to say is, I've never met a group that loved like they love. That's what's going to win people to God. That's what's going to change lives. So, let's do it. Let's go. Let's love. Let's be like Christ. In Jesus' name.